Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Excuse me. I'm going to go ahead and read it. <clears throat> you, can, you can go ahead and read on the screen with me if you, if you don't have a Bible. If you do, you can turn there. John 10, 9 through 10. It goes like this. This is Jesus talking. And uh, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. And they will go out and they will find pasture. He's using the analogy of a, of a shepherd and a sheep. And a sheep being protected within the pen of the pasture. So they'll be able to come in out. They'll be able to enjoy life and it'll be good. Verse 10, I'm not like the thief. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. For all those people who wonder why if God exists, bad things happen. Because there's someone else exists too, someone named the devil. Who the Bible in this passage refers to as the thief. Is the thief, the devil, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, I love that, but I have come that they, that you right here this morning would have life and not just have it, but have it to the, say it one more time, not just have life, but have it to the, God wants you to have a full life, full life, full life. I'm going to pray for the message, but before I do, I want you to tell Two people, the title of today's talk is prophetic because you're going to say this next Thursday come Thanksgiving. And so I'm just, I'm preparing you for Thanksgiving. The title of today's talk is uh, No Thanks, I'm Full. Tell two people, tell them, tell them, no thanks, I'm full. No thanks, I'm full. No thanks, I'm full. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We ask that you bless it. Use me, Lord, that I may be a vessel. Speak to me and through me. Uh, help me learn and grow as I share the message. This is the message I need, Lord. I don't preach it because I'm perfect. I preach it because I need it, and I ask that you help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Jason. Amen. Uh, no thanks. I'm full. How many people are excited about Thanksgiving? Come on, make some noise. You excited about Thanksgiving? How many people are excited about Thanksgiving food? Food, yes. Some people are like, I thought that's what you meant the first time. Can you separate the two? Is it possible? Uh, no thanks, I'm full. I, I eat uh, a lot, you can't tell by my weight, but I have a healthy appetite. I enjoy food. I tend to eat with my eyes more often than not. Uh, uh, one time in particular, I really paid the price for it. Um, almost 10 years ago, uh, I was a part of a, a ministry program, and my pastor wanted to take all of us to go to the country of Haiti on a compassion trip. And we were going to, a compassion trip is when you go and you bring food, you bring water, and you also bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, because we can't just feed our bodies, but we got to feed the souls too. And so we go, but I didn't know Haiti, uh, our pastor told us Haiti is very, a very spiritual climate. Um, there's a lot of opposition and, and oppression there. And he said, he thought it would be good if we went on a fast. Fasting is when you, you know, choose to willfully not eat or drink, uh, depending on, on your fast. And he said, you guys should go on a fast. I was like, I was all for fast. I had done fast before. 
He said, it should be, when he said this, I was like, nah. He said, it should be a 10-day fast. I was like, excuse me? He said, it should be a 10-day fast. I'm like, I'm sorry, sir, I don't know if you know this, but um, I weigh 130 pounds. Um, if I fast, okay, I think I'm going to lose, not fat, but bone. I'm going to lose bone. It's not going to be good. He said, no, do it. So we did. We went on a 10-day liquid fast. Everything that I ingested during those 10 days had to be in liquid form. There was a lot of juice. There was a lot of blended. I don't even want to tell you what it was. And, uh, and we did. And then, it was, and then we went three days just water. And, uh, and then we broke the fast to go for the trip. And so, because you can't go to, and I'm glad we did that, by the way, because Haiti was, was a wonderful experience, but it was, we definitely needed to go get prayed up. Um, on the last day before we go, it was like break fast day. We were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. So a couple of friends of mine decided that we would break fast at IHOP. Terrible, terrible idea. We get there, but they were still wiser than me because we get to IHOP, and they're like, I'll have, you know, the soup. I'm like, that's cute. Um, but I haven't eaten in 10 days, so uh, I'm going to have, I swear, this is what I ordered, the big steak omelet. That's my favorite. I ordered the big steak. I said, I'm going to have the big steak omelet. Y'all, 1,500 calories, 90 grams of fat. I looked it up this morning. 1,500 calories, 90 grams. That's like a day's worth of eating in an omelet, okay? And I eat it, and then I'm like, oh, and by the way, bring out the hot chocolate, okay? And, uh, and bring out the hash browns, all right? And bring out the eggs over easy. And I am just downing this food, and I was sitting down. And what I didn't realize is that when you sit down, your stomach is in an expanded position. But then when I got up... Without exaggeration, I got up, and as I stretched, the elastic in my stomach got to, I could feel like I could see inside my body what was happening. And, like, the omelet went from here to, like, here. I had to go to Walmart because I hadn't finished buying all the stuff. I was in Walmart shopping for 20 minutes like this, I promise. Just, I'll get two of those. One of those. And, all that. and it was so bad. And I promised myself, I promised myself that I would never, ever eat like that again. How many people think I kept that promise? The moment I got back from Haiti, because we had been there for 10 days eating rice and goat. Not, not delicious, let me just tell you. And so we, and on the whole, I'm thinking McDonald's, McDonald's. I can't wait to get to McDonald's. I get to McDonald's. I'm like, I will take three quarter pounders, supersize that, large fries, and then that night, uh, I am over a toilet bowl. And uh, I'm sick. I'm not going to get the details, but I'm, I'm sick, and I'm telling myself, uh, never, ever again, right? And it's funny how uh, uh, I could desperately want something and immediately regret it at the same time. Uh, I learned that night with vomit dripping from my teeth that more, that more is not always necessarily better. That oftentimes more can actually hurt you. Let me give you an example. So Christmas time is coming around, which means you need to buy more presents. You need to buy more presents. Well, that's all cool. More is cool. But the only thing is, to buy more presents, you need more. That's right. But in order to get more money, you need to call your boss and ask for more, more hours or more days. I don't know where you work, but more hours and more days. And, and that's fine. You get more hours and more days. But that means that's more stress and more fighting with your family who's wondering why you're not there for the whole reason why Christmas happens in the first place. It all started off good. It was just more in the beginning. 
But now more has a consequence. Now it's more strife, more stress, more pain, more struggle. Or you've got a project, a school assignment. And we got a lot of college age uh, students here at a part of our church. And, and you got a big final coming up. And you're like, man, this is good. You're making good headway. And all of a sudden you're like 50% done. You're like, you know what, I've done good. I deserve a break. I'm going to watch one show on Netflix, just one, and then I'm going to go right back to my work or right back to my project or right back to my assignment, just one. And you watch one, and one episode turns into one season. And all of a sudden, the, the more becomes more tired and more stressed, and now you wake up the next day and you got an attitude and you can't show nobody the love of Jesus. Because you got, you know, four hours of sleep and you blame it on the schoolwork. I was up to three in the morning working out. No, you were not. You were up to two in the morning <laughs> watching TV and then from two to three you finish your project. Let's keep it real, okay? That's what happened. Or maybe you're dating in this room. I know we have a lot of married people. We also have a lot of dating people. And your, your significant other, they're, they're good looking or else you wouldn't be with them. And you go, you know what, they're, they're cute. I think I'm going to kiss them. That's cool. Kissing is cool. I love kissing. My wife is great. The problem is when you like it so much, it becomes more. And some kissing becomes touching. Touching is cool, depending where you're touching. I, I have a rule. I'm going to tell my boys. It's, more, my, it's just, just hands. That's all you can touch is hands. That's it. It's my boys. I'm going to coach them as they grow up. Why? Because I know from experience that touching can turn into more. And then that can turn into more. And then you go right back at the beginning buying more presents because you just brought more people into the earth. That's how it happens. It's the cycle of more. It will get you. It will get you. And the thing is, every time we binge in life, every time we binge TV, every time we binge a person, every time we binge work, isn't there always at least just a moment of regret right after the binge? Yet we continue to do it. We tell ourselves right after the thing that we swore we wouldn't do again that we'll never do it again. After the binge and we're a little sick, man, I can't believe, never again, I'm not going to do this. But we keep doing it. Why? You know scientists can't figure that out. Scientists cannot figure out scientifically why humans eat even though they're full. It makes no sense. But the Bible has a theory. In fact, if you turn your Bible all the way back to the book of Genesis, there's a, a couple in the Bible named Adam and Eve, the very first couple ever, who are a great example of why we want more. They're created God makes man, then God makes woman, puts him in the Garden of Eden. Now, you don't really get the Garden of Eden unless you were there. And so let me try it. And I wasn't there. So I don't want you to feel like I was there. You were like I found a passageway somewhere. I just, I just, I read my Bible. I know some of the history. I know how it works, how it worked. Uh, and so, and so, so you got to imagine the most perfect place in the whole world, like 72 degrees all the time. Never, women, ladies, never a bad hair day. Makeup always on point. Nails never break. Fellas, you eat, you know, for three days, you look in the mirror, six-pack. Like, that was eating. It was perfect. Every food, fruit, imaginable. Did you, you like puppies? They had puppies, okay? They had it all. Puppies, giraffes, lions. It was, Adam was just naming them. He got to do whatever he wanted. It was paradise. Paradise. There was only one thing God kept from Adam and Eve. There was this tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you have to understand, they have everything that they could ever need or want. 
But they walk past this one tree and a snake, who really it was the devil in the form of a snake, comes out and he whispers to Eve. And Adam is right there, so he's just as guilty. The snake whispers to Eve. She says, did God really say you can't eat from all the fruit in the garden? That's how the devil works, by the way. He'll misinterpret the things of God. He'll, he'll tell you half-truths, right? So he'll tell you, this thing will be good. This thing will be good. This thing will taste good. And you'll be like, yeah, yeah, it will taste good. But what he won't tell you is that this thing will also kill you. This will be good, but, it'll kill, but forget about the kill you part. This will be good. So the snake comes out, and he tells her, hey, you should eat this. And, and, the, and, the, and, and the guy and the girl are there, and, and they see the fruit, and the Bible says that the fruit looked good, and it was going to give them wisdom. And so they, they ate it. But what I find so revealing, so instructional for you and I, for our purpose in everyday life, was that they were in a perfect situation with everything they could ever want or need, but the, de- the devil was able to convince them that what they really wanted was more. You've got to catch that, that they were in the very perfect place. But even though they were in the perfect place, the devil was able to convince them that if only they had more, they'd be happy. But they were in Eden. And the devil has not changed the strategy today. And you need to understand that because you're thinking, man, I would be happy if the things around me changed. But the problem is not the things around you. The problem is inside of you. It's not external. It's internal. The problem is not that if if I had that much money, then I would be happy. If I had that girlfriend or that boyfriend or that husband or that job, then I would be happy. No, because you have what you need right here, right now. Listen, the truth, you need to hear me. The, if, if you, some of you can just get up and leave right after this point, but don't do it because it would be super disrespectful, okay? Don't do it. But this is what you need to hear. Listen, I feel like God sent me here to tell you something that everybody in this room needs to hear. You have everything you need right now in life to be happy. You better say amen to that. Come on. Because that frees you from the chase, and that frees you from the struggle, and that frees you from the stress and the strife and the race and running. Man, I just need that. And I, no, 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 listen. Don't let the devil do to you what he did to them. They were in the perfect place, and they still wanted more. I hear people tell me, I hear people as a pastor, I say, you know, because let me just tell you, as a pastor, I'm more concerned about your spiritual life than, than I am about you coming to church. But I don't know if you know, there's a direct connection to your spiritual life and coming to church. And so I often ask people, hey, come to church. Not because I just want to see a body in the seat, because I want to see you grow. And oftentimes they tell me, I could if I would, or I would if I could, but I just don't have enough time. If I only had more time, then I would do that. Then I would pray. Then I would read my Bible. Then I'd get involved. Then I'd come in. But the problem is not your calendar. The problem is your cravings. You will always find things to do with your time because you have an internal appetite for more. You're just going to take on more. A lot of young guys in ministry, man, if I was only full time, then I would know you have everything you need to do right now. I used to say that all the time. I used to have four jobs before I planted this church. And I was still working on this church. And I would tell people, man, if only I had more time, then I could really, then I could really invest in Journey Church. It'd be great. If only I had more time. But you know what? Now I do. Now I do this full time. Full time. And you know what I wish I had more of? Time. Now I'm finna go, my goodness, where did the day go? I got so much, this is my job, and I still, I have, I need more time. Here's the truth, ready? The lie is that, the lie is that you need more than what you need right now. Here's the truth. As soon as you get what you think you want, as soon as you get it, you'll want more. As soon as you get it, as soon as you get that boyfriend, you're going to start to realize he's got some deficiencies. 
As soon as you get that girlfriend, you're going to realize she has some deficiencies. As soon as you get that job, you're going to realize that job is not all it cracked up to be. As soon as you go into full time, you're going to be like, oh, this isn't all I wanted. As soon as you go there and as soon as you move there, a lot of people just kind of reset in life when things go bad, thinking if they move somewhere else, it's going to be better. No, the issue is not what's around you. The issue is inside you. You want more. And we are going to be, listen, we're going to be the first generation not to die of starvation. I believe we're going to be the first generation to choke to death because we're trying to stuff so much down our lives. It doesn't, we don't have space for it. That's what Luke 8.14 says. Read this verse, Luke 8.14. Jesus said, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's what? Worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not grow up. You think what you need is, is, is more because more will make you happy. But can I, can I enlighten you? Not only will more not only make you happy, hear this, and I'm going to prove it. More will actually depress you. This is the fact. The more you get, the less happier you become. Some of you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy because you don't got a lot. And it's hard to preach this message to people who don't have a lot because they're like, you say that now. But, you know, give me $1,000 and I guarantee you I will leave here happy. <laughs> Prove it. It's hard to preach this message to broke people. I'm just saying that. And I'm one of those broke people or middle class people or whatever, or even upper middle class people. But it's so funny. You talk to a, a, a person who makes $100 a week, right? He wants to make 1000 The person who makes $1,000 a week wants to make 10000 The person who makes a million dollars a year, he's like, if only I could be a billionaire, right? And, and I'm just trying to save you from the chase. And so I might not be talking to you from a position of more because there are a lot of people out here today who probably wish they had more. But I'm talking to you from a position of, but before you chase that, hear me out. This isn't going to make you happy. It's actually going to take it away. Science has proven that. Academia has proven that. Anybody ever study economics in school, high school, college? Three people. Okay, that's why the economy is the way it is because people don't be studying economics. We need to get on our economics junk right there, okay? Um, I studied economics, macro, micro, and, uh, and I learned this principle in economics called the law of diminishing returns. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that before one time in the TV show, PBS. Um, the law of diminishing returns, which is exactly this. It's this. It's, it's a law. It's an economic law because it's, it's a law that helps you decide how much to price an item. And in, in, in a nutshell, it's this. If I give you a chocolate bar and it costs $3, you would pay the $3 for the chocolate bar because you want it and you were hungry. But if after you ate that chocolate bar, I offered you another chocolate bar, you might pay $3 for it. But at that point, you're kind of already kind of full, so you say, you know what, I'll give you $2 for it. Then if I give you another chocolate bar, you said, all right, you know, I'm kind of, I'll pay a dollar for it. And then by the time I give you the fourth chocolate bar, you're like, I'll give you a dollar to stop giving me chocolate bars. Here is the law. The more you have of something, the less you value the thing you have. I see this firsthand on Christmas morning with my kids. I literally had to create a rule in our family. I haven't told my mother yet, but mom, this is a rule, okay? We've already told our in-laws, now I need to tell my mom, we are limiting our kids' presents to one or two presents per family. Now, before you think I'm cruel, you had to be at my house on Christmas last year. My in-laws got our boys, if I say, if I say 20, I'm not exaggerating, 20 gifts. Because that's what they do. They go to Toys R Us, they find like the $4 aisle, and they buy like 10 things, <laughs> okay? That's what they do. And, and my mom does the same thing. And so, and it was such a sad moment for me. My wife and I look at Christmas. They open up the present. They, 
Oh, wow, a truck. Then what? Oh, wow, a Ninja Turtle. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And after they opened up 40 presents, they had the audacity. The audacity to come over to me and my wife and ask us, is there more? I'm like, bro. And then you start to say stuff that your parents told you that you swore you'd never tell them. I've never been to Uganda. But there are kids in Uganda who would kill for a Ninja Turtle. They would kill for it, right? And it's like, it's like the value of every present got less and less the more presents that they got. You think accumulating things is going to make you happy. It's, not, it's actually going to let you, it's actually going to cause you to resent life more and resent the things more. It's crazy, but that's how it works. Now you give one present to a little orphan in a, in a, in a, in a, in a home, he's going to open that. He's going to cry. Thank you so much. You thought of me, right? Because that's how it works. This is how Solomon, and listen, the law of economics was developed in the 19th century, the law of uh, diminishing returns, but King Solomon had discovered that 9th century B.C. Look what he wrote, 9th century B.C. I'll tell you a little about who Solomon is in a second. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7. Look what he wrote. One who is full loathes honey from the comb. One who is full loathes honey from the comb. In other words, when you've got your stomach full of junk food and the steak passes by, you're sick to your stomach. You don't want to see another piece of food because you're so full of the garbage. And he would know more than anyone else. I looked up. Did you know that King Solomon was the richest man in history? In history. Today, uh, one of the richest men ever, Mark Zuckerberg, net worth $50 billion. Solomon, $2.1 trillion. Every year, he would get $64.3 million in gold every year, and it would just save and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. The guy who has it all, the guy who was the richest man you could ever imagine says, I thought it would make me happy, but instead it made me sick. I thought it would make me happy, but instead it made me sick, and now I have lost my appetite for life. Some of you guys are here today, and you would say amen. To Solomon's thing. I'm looking in the light, and the world isn't just as sweet as it used to be. It doesn't taste the same. The appetite is not. I was a lot passionate when I was younger, and I was hungry. I didn't have as much. But now that I'm starting to, I to it's, it's losing its flavor, and I don't know what to do or where to go. Be careful. Be careful because you will get caught up in a vicious cycle trying to, trying to find flavor, trying to find enjoyment in things that are not going to bring it. And the more, there was this woman in the Bible. She was a Samaritan woman at the well. I don't know if you ever heard the story. Jesus is getting some water from the well. He meets this lady, and it turns out that this lady has some issues. She's trying to get some water from the well. She's thirsty in more than one way. Jesus comes up to her, says, hey. She said, you'll get it in a little bit. She said, hey. He said, she said, he said, hey, can I help you? She said, I'm trying to get some water. Jesus said, I'll tell you where to get the best water ever. And she's like, tell me. And then Jesus said, well, let me, let me do this. Go get your husband, and then I'll tell you where the water is. And she says, I don't have a husband. Lying. Why? Maybe she thought Jesus looked good. I don't know. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right in saying you don't have a husband because you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now, you ain't even married to him. 
Only people glad you don't go to that kind of church right now. I'm just saying. Some of y'all, if Jesus was your pastor, let me just say, I encourage you and I pump you up. But if Jesus was your pastor, he'd be like, awesome, the one you're living with now. And you'd be like, thank Jesus. <laughs> just glad you had me. I'm just saying. Could you imagine that woman? I'm not trying to break down on her, but five husbands, and she's on number six right now. You know what happened, right? She wanted more. She got the first husband. She thought she was going to get married for him in life. Till death do us part. And then one day, they're chilling on the couch watching TV, and she looks over at Bob. Let's call him Bob. She looks over at Bob, and she notices Bob's pinky toe is bigger than the rest of his toes. And she's like, oh, no. I cannot live with a man who has a large pinky toe. So she runs away. She didn't divorce. She ran away from five husbands. So she runs away from Bob. And while she runs away from Bob, she bumps into Jeff. Jeff says, hey. He goes, hey. How you doing? Good. Can I see your feet? Jeff's like, what? All right. Cool. Cool toes. Hey, you want to get married? Because I'm looking. Jeff's like, yeah. One day they're eating. And in the middle of lunch, Jeff burps. And it's a nasty burp. And she's like, oh, no. No, no, no. Never mind that she probably could have seen those things while they were dating, but no. It didn't show up when they were dating. Now they're married. You know, I can't, I can't deal with that. Burp. So move on to the third guy. Call him Steve. Steve is awesome. Steve's toes are all the right size. Steve doesn't burp. Steve's just, I don't know, lazy eye. Oh, this girl's looking at Steve, talking about, hey, I love you. Let's get married. And then one day while they're married out in the park, she's like, Steve, are you looking at me, Steve? I can't tell, Steve. What's going on, Steve? Steve, hello, Steve. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I can't do this. And then she moves on the fourth. Listen, and let me tell you again, the lie is, the lie is that the thing that is not making you happy is external. And so if I just married someone else, or found a better boyfriend or girlfriend, or had a better job. Again, you got to catch this. They're chasing the flavor. They're looking for the fulfillment, but it's not going to happen. They can't. They can't. And, and if you're not careful, you're going to live like that woman, moving from object to object, person to person. I tell people who are in their third or fourth marriage, I go, hey, you know what the common denominator in all your marriages are? And they're like, what, bad people? I'm like, no, you. In every marriage you've been in, the one constant has been you. I'm not trying to discourage you or depress you. I'm trying to tell you maybe the problem is inside, which is actually encouraging. Because the problem is, if the problem is inside, that means you can do something about it. So it's not that the world is out to get you or the world is out of control. You just got to make a little tweaks, little adjustments. You can get full, just not in the way you want to get full. And that's why I love Jesus, because he found a better way. He found a way to get you, listen to me, he found a way to get you full and not to get you sick. He found it, and he told her. He said, hey, you want a man? I know a better man. He said, hey, you want water? I know a better well where you can get water that is alive, living water. And he flipped the formula up on his head. He said, listen, the old formula used to be more money makes you happy. More fame makes you happy. More success makes you happy. But let me flip the formula. And, 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 and it's not going to make sense at first, but give me a second to explain it, and then it will. He goes, all those things don't make you happy. If you want to be full, it's what he says, more life will make you happy. More life will make you happy. Can you bring my props out? I got a bunch of props today. I got a whiteboard and I got a science project, okay? I'm going in this morning. We're going to learn because I, I want to I share with you a principle that is a little hard to grasp, 
But if you see it on the board and if you see it in this thing that I'm going to show you, it will all make sense. Because in John 10.10, I have come so that you may have a life and have it to the full. God wants to give you full life. He wants to fill you with life, right? That's what John 10.10 says. He said, I have come so you may have life and have it to the full. But what does he mean by life? That's the key right there. When Jesus promises you life, what does he mean? And the only way to understand that is to understand just a little bit of Greek. So don't check out on me. I promise this is going to be really interesting and entertaining. There are actually three, well, I don't know if it will be entertaining. I'm going to try. That's why the water's here. I'm trying to make it entertaining. But there are three Greek words for the word life. And if you don't know the one that Jesus, is, Jesus uses, you're going to spend your life trying to chase things you think Jesus promised you that he never did. That's why you got to learn this. And so the first word uh, for life, okay, is right here. It's, if you're taking notes, this is why we give you those, those notes things. The first word for life is bios. Everybody say bios. Bios is where we get the word biography. Biography, oh, not biography, it's where we get the word biology, sorry. Bios is where we get the word biology, which means this life is everything physical. Another word that you could use for bios would be survival. It's, it's the kind of life that you need to physically keep your heart beating, okay? So bios life would be things like food. It would be things like a home. It would be things, uh, you know, as a part of physical life, sex is a part of the physical life. It would be things like a career, okay? Uh, it would be things like uh, money, all right? It would be things like a car, okay, or transportation. This is your bios life, all right? Now, now you understand there's nothing wrong with this. God does not condemn any of these things. These things are good. These things are okay. What God does is he points out the futility, though, of trying to live a full life like that. Because the problem with bios is that by its nature, it's temporary, right? Everything I wrote on that list doesn't last, right? The food gets digested. The home eventually will break down. Sex don't last forever. The career, one day you'll why y'all laugh like that? One day, one day you'll retire. The money, one day you'll spend it. The car, one day will break down. The health that you're striving, one day, guess what? You'll die. It's what happens. I'm sorry. The six-pack, fellas, that you got this Thursday, you're gonna lose it. It's gone. The problem with the bios is that the bios. is temporary. The bios is like this. You got to catch this. This is what your life looks like when you're trying to get full on all those things you saw on the board. It's not going to happen. By its nature, by its nature, it does not get full. You cannot get full trying to live a life chasing money, home, cars, sex, people, status, Graduate degrees, bachelor's degrees, it's just not going to happen. It's not, it's not that it's bad. It's that it's not built that way. It's, sorry, this is my, it's built. It's built to come out. That's the problem with bios. Here's the next one. The next one is psyche. Psyche is where we get the word psychology from. This is your internal life. This is your mental and emotional life. Now, unlike the bios, the psyche is eternal. You're going to be thinking and feeling in eternity. Whether that's heaven or hell, that's your choice. God makes it available. But the psyche is not 
temporary like the bios, but the psyche has another problem. It's not that the psyche empties out quick. It's that our mind and our emotions are unstable. We wake up one morning, and it's like the best day ever. We wake up another morning, and it's the worst day ever. One day, we love our kids. The next day, we can't wait till they move out. One day, we feel like we can conquer the world. The next day, we feel like the world's trying to conquer us. The problem with our mind and our emotions is that they're always changing and shifting. And so you can't live a life based on your psyche either because it always shifts. The moment you think like you have something, you move again. It doesn't work. Like your mind is great for strategy. Your mind is great for creativity. But your mind will never let you enjoy an ice cream. Because the moment you lick that ice cream, you go, that's good. 400 calories, though. The mind will never let you enjoy success because the moment you become successful, the mind's going to go, yeah, but how long can you keep it up? I am ashamed to admit that after I preach here and people raise their hands and give their lives to Jesus, you know the first thing that hits my mind when I'm out there waiting for you to come outside? It's not, oh, God, thank you for all those lives that came to Christ and came back home. I should be thinking like that. I need God to heal me. My mind when I'm out there is, man, I hope that was good, but, but if it was good, man, I got to do that again next Sunday. And are they going to come? And is this going to be good? Is this going to help people? That's my psyche. Not allowing me. Every time you try to fill it. Every time you try to fill it. It keeps falling. Every time you try to build your life up on emotions and, and your mind game and your strength, it fades away. This is what the Bible says. Look, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, 9. The psyche is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? It's always changing. It's always shifting. But there's another life. This is what I want to tell you about. And this is what you need to grasp. This is what's going to make sense out of everything. Not the bios, not the psyche. There's one more life. And before I tell you about this life, just remember. Remember the fruit in the Garden of Eden? Let's throw that up. Genesis. Here's the exact story. Genesis chapter 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it. Did you catch that? When she thought it was good for food and good for gaining wisdom, she ate it. The devil was saying, all you need to do is fill this and this and you'll be happy. What a liar. But I'm happy to tell you today that there was not just a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in that garden, but there was another tree in the garden. It was the tree of life. And do you know what the Greek word for that life is? Not bios and not psyche. It was the tree of zoe. When God looked at Adam and Eve and said, if you eat this fruit, you will die. What he meant was, if you try and fill more of the bios and more of the psyche, you're going to lose the zoe. Zoe is God life. Zoe is the fulfilled life. It's the perfect life. It's the, it's the 72 degrees life. It's a life that rises above the temporary and above the emotions. It's a happiness and a joy, a fulfillment that is not dependent on what you have or how you feel. 
Would you like to live a life that is not dependent on what you have or how you feel? That's what Jesus Christ promises you. That's why we come to church. That's why I gave my life and quit my job and sold my home to come here and tell people because I found a way to get full. I found a better life, a Zoe life. Now, the Zoe life is different. The Zoe life says, listen, you try to fill your body and fill your mind, it doesn't happen. There's only one way to be full in the Zoe life. That's to go in. It's to go in. It's to go in. Now, let me tell you about this. This is great because what happens here is when you're all in the Zoe life, it changes your bios and your psyche. All of a sudden, the things you were afraid of losing because you're so immersed in a God way of living, your, your, your fear of losing it is replaced with the gratitude for the fact you even have it. The instability you have in your psyche is replaced by a certainty, not in who you are, but in who Jesus is. It's beautiful. You want the Zoe life. It gives you a new perspective on the other two. But there are a lot of Christians in this place who would say, amen to that. And I'm just talking to the Christians that say, but that, I feel like you're lying, pastor. What do you mean I'm lying? Well, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've said the prayer, and my life is not like that. I feel stressed out. I feel hurt. I'm overloaded. I got some problems. I got some issues. Why is my cup empty? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because empty cups, empty cups flow. But I, but I go to church, and I sing the songs. No, 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 no. What you do is flow. You're just close enough to Jesus where you, where you can realize the promises, but you're not so much in them that you can experience the blessing. So many years I was floating on Christ. So many years I was floating in church, close enough to tell other people about it, close enough to describe this life, but I can never testify about it. My testimony has always started with all of the pain I was in. Oh, let me tell you about my life before Christ. I was in this and I was in that. And people, I don't know why people would come to Jesus then, because I would never tell them what life was like after, because I wasn't in it, I was on it. I'm talking to people today whose cup feels empty, yet you come to church. Listen, empty cups flow, but full cups. Sink. Full cups sink. You want to experience the Zoe life? You want to have that 72 degrees type life? That joy that rises above what you have? That joy that rises above who you are? Can I tell you, it's time to sink into Christ. I mean it. Let me give you some practical advice for that. It's time not to just come to church. It's time to get involved. It's time to go to next steps at the end of the worship experience. Join a dream team. Become an usher. Start tithing. Give 10% of your income. Join the worship team. Get involved in a small group. Read your Bible. Get in this thing. Sink in this thing. Because if you sink in life, can you show that last slide? Show that last slide. If you're sure. This is how I wrote it so you can remember it. A sure way to sink in your life. Is to have surface faith. A sure way to sink in your life is to have surface faith. But a sure way to live a full life is to sink into your faith. It's to sink into your faith. You can get the props off. I want to encourage everyone to sink into their faith this morning. Would you stand on your feet with me today? Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to invite everyone in this place to sink into faith this morning. Maybe you've been living on the surface for a while. Maybe church has been nominal. Christianity has been nominal. You come, but really only by name. 
I want you to know that there's more for you, that God has hope for you. And you don't got to do nothing but sink. That's it. You're trying to stay apart. Just swim. Just sink into God's love. Sink into that Zoe life. Sink into all the promises. That's the full life that he wants for you. You want to get full of joy? You want to get full of hope? Stop trying to fill your bodily life. Stop trying to fill your emotional, mental life with happiness and those things. They fade. They're unstable. Just sink into Christ. Sink into Jesus. And he will fill your cup. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.